everyone, my name's Sarah Ellis. I'm one of the co-hosts of the Squiggly Careers podcast. This week in the UK, it's Mental Health Awareness Week. And looking after our mental health is always important, but never more so than at the moment. The research shows that protecting our mental health is going to be central to help us all to cope and recover from the impacts and effects that coronavirus is having on all of our day-to-day lives. And that's why this week we're releasing three podcast episodes, so lots to listen to, which we hope will really help to raise awareness and understanding of mental health. The first that you're about to listen to is all about well-being at work, and you'll hear Helen and I interview experts from Bupa and Mind about practical ideas and actions we can all take to look after our minds. And we're also releasing a bonus episode called Stories from the Frontline, Managing My Mental Health. We've spoken to doctors, carers, teachers and parents about how they've been looking after their mental health at such a challenging time. And there are some really inspiring stories, so I hope that if you have the time, you can give it a listen and let us know what you think. And finally, as part of our new Ask the Expert series this week, you'll hear me interview Rich Pearson, the co-founder of Headspace. Together, we talk about meditation and how even if you're a complete beginner or a failed starter like me, we can all give it a go and look after our minds a little bit better. And all our episodes this week have been really kindly supported by the Booper UK Foundation. The Booper UK Foundation is a charity and their purpose is to help people live longer, healthier and happy lives. They fund really practical projects that have a positive impact on people's mental well-being. Things like workshops for teachers. They work with Mind to support better mental health for young people. And they also fund lots of community mental well-being projects. So they felt like the perfect partner for our episodes this week. So I hope you enjoy listening today. Please do let us know what you think. So I'm delighted today that we're joined by three really expert guests to talk a bit about mental health and well-being at work, both their kind of professional and personal experiences. First, we've got Alex Cole joining us. She's the Chief Customer and Corporate Affairs Officer for Bupa and chairs the Bupa Foundation. And probably even more importantly, she was also previously my boss. So Alex, thank you for joining us during lockdown. Thanks, Sarah. And we have Emma Mamo with us, who is Head of Workplace Wellbeing at Mind. Emma, thanks for joining us today. Hi, everyone. Very happy to be here. And finally, Dr. Paula Franklin, who is the Chief Medical Officer at Bupa. Hiya. So first, I thought we would really dive in. And Emma, I'd be really interested to get your perspective and insights from, you know, the past period of time, the last couple of months, where most of people's lives have changed pretty dramatically, quite quickly. The feedback that we've had, it's really impacted on people's mental health and, you know, people are finding there's a lot to cope with in terms of uncertainty, kind of stress and change. And I'm just wondering, perhaps you could start by sharing with our listeners the insights you've had through the work that you do at Mind. Absolutely. So I oversee all of our programmes that work with employers around mental health in the workplace. So how do you keep your people well? How do you respond to what might be causing them to struggle with their mental health? And obviously this pandemic cuts across all areas of well-being. It's impacting on physical health, mental health, financial well-being, social well-being. And I think what's really important is even the impact on the same individual will be in multiple ways and probably at different times. And that's a real roller coaster. And I think we can all recognise that from ourselves in terms of how we're now working. And the reason it's having such an impact on people's mental health is obviously the health anxiety associated with a pandemic like this. The fact that social distancing and isolation is probably impacting on how we would traditionally manage our mental health and do the things that keep us well and connect with the people around us and so on. And that's not to say we can't do those things. We just need to think how to do them in a different way. 
But obviously, the pandemic does also bring the risk of, you know, the virus, worry for friends and family, bereavement and loss for some. And obviously, there's different... When you look at people in work, I suppose there's four distinct groups. So that's like the impact on the general population. But in terms of distinct groups within the workplace, you've got people who are working from home now remotely. Um, You've got the people on the front line, so those working in the NHS, but also a lot of key workers keeping the country running, but having to leave their homes and run the risk of exposure to the virus. And then you've got a lot of people now who are not working because of coronavirus, either because they've been furloughed or been made redundant. So there's some very distinct mental health needs for those different groups. But even within that, you know, working from home for a working parent is quite different from someone without children. So there's a lot to be mindful of. And I think it just has to come down to managers having good conversations with their people about what's going on for them. And Paula, I'd be really interested to get your perspective from the work that you do in terms of what are some of the biggest barriers and challenges that really do prevent people from getting support? Probably the biggest barriers for people accessing help at the moment is probably themselves. I think people are concerned still about how it might look to others, about what others may think about their abilities to cope, to manage to sort of withstand pressures. Uh, I think that's probably particularly at play in a work environment where people are very aware of constantly needing to demonstrate that they are good at their job and good in a team and good in an organisation. And so I think that's a, a huge barrier. There's a lot more available to people now. Even so, accessing care can be a barrier, not necessarily because things aren't available, but because actually you need to know when and where and how they're available at the time when you need it. And so it's in that particular moment, I think although things are available, having them continually available and having people know how to get them can be a barrier too. And Alex, I'm really interested in uh, how Bupa have found kind of the experience of adapting to the kind of environment we find ourselves in in the last couple of months because you are both a really large organisation with lots of people, lots of colleagues, and you're an organisation that supports people with their kind of health and well-being. So an organisation that people are looking to for support, kind of reassurance and just kind of practical support at the moment. How have you found the leaders at Bupa have been talking to their kind of teams about mental health and trying to do some of the things that kind of Paula and Emma have just described? Yeah, well, I think, um, you know, Emma had it exactly right when she was talking about the fact that it was so important that people talk about this, but also that experiences are so different across different types of employees. So we've got people who are providing social care or who are working on the NHS 111 helpline. They're busier than ever and they're literally at the front line of this. And then you've got other people who you know, in many ways are suffering from a sense of guilt, from not being able to do more, from feeling disconnected from their workplace because their their work has stopped. And so a lot of our dentists are, are clearly not operating because it's emergency procedures only. So you've got a real disparity of experience kind of right across the population. For me, I'm normally in an office. I've been working very busy but working from a home environment and with a team that I would normally spend a lot of time face to face with um, spending a lot of time down video conferencing you're connected but it's requiring you to think about that connection in a different way one of the good things about all of this is that actually for every manager it's become a non-negotiable for you to do it so 
we spend a lot of time and emphasis on this, but perhaps it was, you know, something that people did at the end of their work. Now, I think people are having those conversations at the beginning of their work because it's so clear to people that before you start talking about the work, you've got to start talking about how people are. And quite often people's home life will intrude behind them, um, <laughs> come and sit on their knees. We've all got to know each other's home lives in a different way. Now that can bring a pressure, but it can also relieve a pressure because actually if you can get that open dialogue and conversation happening, which quite often does start from talking about your own issues, then it's much easier to have that conversation on the basis of a kind of honest assessment of kind of what's really going on for people. And Alex, just to pick up on that point on management, because Sarah and I often say that management isn't just a role, it's a responsibility uh, because of the that relationship between you and the person that works for you and your ability to help them to have a great day or actually you know, influence maybe a not so great day for them. What we're now asking managers to do is quite a skill, you know, whether it's listening or supporting. How are you equipping managers with those skills that they need given the impact that that has on the on the workforce yeah well I think we've we have definitely benefited from the fact that we already had an emphasis on this um Mm. and so we've been able to sort of draw on those materials and in fact we've been sharing them with other companies as well it's given it a new urgency and I'm also very conscious that you're asking people to do something when they themselves are going through things as well. So I think not forgetting that you actually need to support the people who are supporting the people as well. And to try and make it as much as possible a culture where it happens in all directions. So I think, you know, there's a lot of emphasis on the manager to the person who works for them, but actually it can be colleagues to each other and indeed colleagues to their managers Um, Mm. so the more I personally believe the more you kind of democratize this as a conversation the better it is for everybody clearly at the same time we know that managers can be a source of unintended pressure for people and quite often it's the consequences of things that they're not even realizing that is the implied expectation and sort of really helping leaders and managers understand that they have to be really explicit about saying that first and foremost you need to take care of yourself you need to take care of the people around you and that when you ask them the question how are you that it is absolutely genuine and that actually before you even ask it you might need to talk a bit about yourself but do it in a way which isn't going to if you like, impose your reality on on someone else's. It's almost like nobody is unaffected right now because even if you had recognised that you had a wellness action plan in place, for example, previously, then the situation has changed or maybe some of the things that were supporting you previously aren't there at the moment, so you need to adapt that plan. And then maybe for some people who didn't even think that they would be affected by these situations are now finding themselves questioning, well, how am I today? I don't know, maybe I don't feel like I do. So it definitely feels like a universal concern that we should be democratising this conversation. Emma, one of the things that I've seen that Mind have created, I don't know how recently created, but I thought it was a brilliant resource for people and just kind of practically for people listening was a, the wellness action plans. Have you seen any organisations uh, doing any particularly, uh, you know, strong and relevant initiatives that we could all learn from? 
Sure. The things that always work well is when there's so many different moving parts to this and it has to be stuff that you're doing at an organisational level. As Alex said, what you're then doing to support your managers to do the key role that they need to do with their teams and the individuals within that. And then how you can kind of encourage individuals to take care of their own mental health. But as you say, also working alongside their colleagues, Okay, maybe remotely, not working alongside in that traditional sense, but how we can all look out for each other. So many, many years ago, it used to be such a hard sell to an employer to say to get this right it needs to be top down bottom up and side to side but so where I see that organisations are responding well it is the ones who have been doing stuff in this space for a number of years so as I said they've got that foundation to work from I think it must be very hard to talk about the mental health of your staff at scale at this time if it, the conversation on mental health hadn't really started and wasn't very mature. So I would say some of the organisations that are responding well around Bank of England and um, the Environment Agency for many years, they have been running a Healthy Minds programme. They have a mental health continuum where they have very routine conversations around someone's mental health, around where are you on this continuum? Are you thriving? Are you struggling? And what needs to happen in response to that? So of course, having those conversations routinely as part of every day is good. Deloitte have always been good in terms of having their senior partners trained in mental health first aid so people can speak to people right at the top of the organisation about how they're struggling. But these are some of the things that I think really make a difference. If you've got your senior leadership very visible on this issue, if you've got your line managers trained and comfortable talking about these issues, and then you've got easy access to support available to people, or you've got very clear signposting of where people can get support. So I think Paula said earlier, you know, it's the difficulty of making sure people know how to get support in that moment when they need it. So having ongoing internal comms and promotion, and I guess everybody's had to, in that mind we have as well, had to look at what we have available and how that needs to flex and pivot in a, in a more digital environment. And Paula at Booper, I mean, I think it's 83,000 global employees that you've got. Are there any particular things that you've put in place to support the employees at Bupa that you think are working particularly well that people listening can learn from? Yeah, I think there are a few things. And to start with, I'd echo what Alex said, which is we're building on quite a good foundation because this is an area that we've been placing attention on for quite some time. But I think there are a few things. I think the first thing is that we were very quick to acknowledge the different circumstances that our people are finding themselves in now having good internal comms that recognises the new challenges and the new pressures that people are under and sort of establishing a new recognition that all of this change will bring particular stresses and that people need to be aware of them, not only in themselves, but also in their teams. So so that sort of acknowledgement of this new environment. The second thing I think which has worked very well is a huge amount of communication, and Emma was just talking about that, and many different types. So yes, about where and how you can access help and what help is available, but also things like shared stories. I think that's really important. We've got people in all sorts of circumstances across the world, as you say, and you know people can be challenged living in uh, small apartments and busy households with generations of families living together and trying to work, but equally challenged in complete isolation, entirely on their own in a flat somewhere, and not really seeing anybody from day to day. And so acknowledging these different circumstances and, as I say, lots of communication and sharing stories so people don't feel so alone in their own situation, I think has been really helpful. 
I think that's really powerful because you can get very lost in the statistics sometimes. And I think it's almost the small individual stories that really help people to understand and experience behind the data. I think they do. They also, I think, can help people to just acknowledge that they have an issue. You know, that's one of the things which is, I, you know, I should be coping, I should be managing, not feeling quite so well today, but that's fine, I'll carry on. But actually, if you read someone else's story and you think, actually, that's exactly how I felt. You know, maybe I will do something now, maybe I will. Anything from accessing help to going for a walk might be the answer. But I think sometimes it can be the trigger that makes people realise, actually, things are not quite right for me. I think that point of trying to link the stories to a sort of practical action that people can take as well is really important. And that's where when you get an environment where people are sharing kind of what's going on, because I don't know about you, but I'm several different types of normal in in a single day. Um, (laughs) And it can change according to what I've watched on the news, what I've heard about you know, with my friends and neighbours, how my last meeting has gone. All of these things are having an impact. So one of the things that we encourage people to realise is that, you know, you might have checked in with somebody at one point and they're fine and then actually something has changed for them. So to keep checking in and turn it into a positive habit, really. We've got a kind of global campaign, which is around 7 billion versions of normal and it is really about normalizing not being normal if that makes sense Mm, it Um, does (laughs) but but also you know sort of showing people that actually some of the things that you can do are actually quite simple things it is about talking to someone it is about taking the time to go and have a walk or I like to listen to music to change my mood so people sharing tips and tricks that they use can be really really helpful Emma, just picking up on that, because I think the some of the things that you were talking about there, Alex, I think are so powerful, particularly for people whose employers might not be providing them the support they need, either because maybe be a bit more behind the curve than some of the organisations that we've talked about, or maybe it's just not the top priority for them right now. So if I'm somebody that's listening to the podcast and I feel like I'm not getting the support that I need right now from my employer for whatever reason, as well as some of those tips that Alex was sharing, Emma, is there anything else that you think people could do or could go and look at to get the support that they need? Yes, there's lots of information actually that Mind has been producing and also other organisations. One thing, just picking up on what Alex was saying, I think that is the best piece of advice we could give to anybody. Just regularly checking in with yourself. Obviously, your manager should be checking in with you, but checking in with yourself. I've been doing a lot with myself during the days because, as you said, it is a roller coaster. So just checking with yourself, how am I feeling? Give yourself a score between one to 10 and then think about, especially if the score is quite low, well, what is one thing that I can do to move me up? and just really understand where you're at. Some days when it gets to the end of the day, I can think about reaching out to friends because I want connection, but actually if I'm feeling a bit wobbly and there's the chance that I might speak to someone who's feeling a bit wobbly too, I will think to myself, actually, should I go for a walk just to compose myself and have a bit of me time and then I might reach out to people. I love music as well. It's a great energy booster for me. So I think, as Alex was saying, just your manager to check in with people during the day and you to check in with yourself. In terms of support and available, so Mind has created an information hub on our website which houses a whole host of information about how you can manage your mental health during this time, how you can look out for others. 
Mirrors. So I would definitely recommend that. We can share links. Mind in collaboration with Samaritans Hospice UK and Shout have just launched the Our Frontline campaign, which is there for key workers. So both people working in the NHS and first responders, as well as people working in supermarkets, delivery people, just everybody who's out there keeping um, the country running. That's ourfrontline.org. If you're a manager or work in HR or you know, you're a small business owner, you can go to the mental health at work org.uk website it's got a whole host of information about how you can support your staff so there is lots of information out there and I will say we're trying to make it not overwhelming to people which is why it's so good to have things in one place consolidated kind of resources for people that have been quality assured but of course if you are really worried about your mental health then contacting your GP is of course the most appropriate approach I mean obviously appointments might be difficult or might be over the phone at the moment but if you are worrying about your mental health you should be reaching out for that kind of support too as well as any information that might help you around self-management. I think it's been so interesting I think to hear kind of the range of things that both individuals and organisations are doing now to really support people's mental health and it does give me hope that this has now become something that is becoming normalised. The theme for this year's Mental Health Awareness Week is kindness, which is, I think, a a brilliant one and one that I think we're seeing lots of examples of in spades at the moment. When things get tough, I think people, um, you kind of really see that kindness gets created and shared. And so I'd be really interested to hear from each of our guests just one example of some kindness that you felt really inspired by over recent months. And perhaps, Paula, we could uh, start with you, please. Gosh, this is a a tough one. I feel like I'm surrounded by great examples of kindness all the time I'm in a very fortunate position I suppose the the example I would give and it's many times over but in our care homes businesses so we have a lot of care homes uh, in the UK and in other countries and it's a difficult working environment at the best of times and I think the examples of kindness that I've seen are how staff are supporting each other I think in new and different ways and being generous with each other in terms of understanding and time and pressures. I think I've seen a lot of that. That's a a brilliant example. I think it's so lovely to hear those stories. And I do think care homes and that environment is a tough place. And, you know, I've seen so many examples of people who are leaving their friends and families behind and to go and move in and to do the right thing, which is amazing. Emma, how about yourself? Well, similar to what Paula was just saying, we were so worried the first couple of weeks how much of an impact this would have on people's mental health. And we are, of course, seeing that. But there was also a real rise of togetherness during that time. You saw it with, you know, films people were sharing, the clap for carers and so on. So I think it's just been a real feeling of compassion to others and putting yourself in other people's shoes and how can you make it easier for someone else so all the rise of neighborhood whatsapp groups if you need supplies let us know i think there has just been a rise of understanding that we're all in this together things are difficult for everyone but people then thinking well how can i make someone else's life easier which i think is so lovely and 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 is that protective factor that we need to kind of get through this that that sense of community And Alex, how about you? Yeah, I mean, very similar. The things that immediately sprang to mind for me was when one of my colleagues told me that she went into the supermarket having not got anything and being a bit worried and, you know, managed to grab a a thing of milk and then realised that she was in a massive, massive queue. (laughs) People kind of realised that she only had a, a thing of milk and they kind of said, let her go to the front. And she ended up going to the front and it made such a difference for her because she was working really hard 
And that was before key worker status was in place and all the rest of it. She wasn't wearing a uniform or anything like that. But it was just the kind of good spirit of humanity coming through. And I think, you know, we have seen that in the way that people are looking out for each other. My sister, I know, is looking out for neighbours that she didn't know at all before this, but she's doing their shopping on a, a regular basis. And, you know, everybody you speak to, has reached out and found, adopted, if you like, their, <laughs> their kind of nearest. Our street has a similar kind of WhatsApp system. And the first morning of kind of lockdown, people were finding out whether or not certain members of the of the street needed help and, and have been helping them through that. So I think there's an awful lot for us to realise that actually kindness is this hugely powerful human emotion and it does help us all get through some really tough times. Sometimes it's easier to give kindness to than to receive it. And I think that's one of the things that people need to be able to know when it's okay to ask for help. And if you'd like to listen to another episode around wellbeing, we recorded a live episode earlier this year at the Life Lessons Festival at the Barbican. And that also had some brilliant guests, Sabrina Cohen-Hatton, who's a firefighter, uh, has done some really interesting work on kind of risk and staying calm. Tom Chapman, who is a real kind of pioneer and leading voice in the area of, kind of male suicide and has done some really good work around normalising mental health conversations, very similar to kind of some of the conversations we've had today. And Pippa Murray, who runs Pippa Nut, a small startup, which is growing very fast. And again, she talks about kind of the stresses and strains of that. So if you're looking for a complimentary episode, perhaps that's a useful one. But Alex, Emma, Paula, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. And we really hope you enjoyed the episode and we'll catch up with you again next week. Bye for now. Bye. Bye.